the 8th chapter of John, beginning with verse 12. We're going to try to finish this chapter tonight in the Word of the Lord. Good to see everybody here in, in the building. There you hear the Word of God. Amen. Okay, John 8 and verse 12. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou hearest, bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, that I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself. The Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do in this place, speaking to us, God, through it. We give you all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Okay, the background of chapter 7 and chapter 8 is the Feast of Tabernacles. Say the Feast of Tabernacles. The Tabernacles, of course, was commemoration of the fact that Jesus, God brought them out of Egypt in the Exodus. They traveled through the wilderness. And God got them through the wilderness. So to commemorate the Exodus and His preservation of them in the wilderness, there was no as the Feast of Tabernacles kept once a year to observe that, to remember what God had done for them. So the background of these chapters is the Feast of Tabernacles, as you know. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 8. The Bible says, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought in him a woman, taken in adultery, and they had set her in the midst. We covered that last Wednesday, correct? Okay, so after that, he resumes his teaching in verse 12. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that falleth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Feast of Tabernacles, during the Feast of Tabernacles, there were four huge menorahs, candelabras, really menorahs, that had four bowls on the top of each one of them. They were filled with oil. They had to literally climb ladders to pour jugs of olive oil into the tops of these candelabras because they were so tall. And they lit those candelabras, oil there. And the way they lit them was there were the garments of the priest, the undergarments of the priest, and the girdles of the priest. They took those undergarments and girdles of the priest, threw them in that oil. They lit those garments of the priest in that oil. And they burned those four huge candelabras of menorahs. There was so much light there that Jerusalem, all over Jerusalem, there's not one place in Jerusalem that the light did not reflect. That's how much light was there. And this was done during the Feast of Tabernacles. And as those lights were burning to commemorate the glory cloud that led Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus, through the wilderness. Okay, y'all with me? Remember, Tabernacles commemorates that. 
This is during the Feast of Tabernacles. So they would begin to dance and begin to celebrate in that light. Righteous and holy men would begin to worship God. They would take these torches in their hands and they would spin around and they would dance and they would worship God to commemorate what He did for them as He led them by the glory cloud, God, leading them by the glory cloud out of, ex out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Amen? And during that time, also two priests made their way, <clears throat> as this light was shining, made their way before the people. And they turned and they faced toward the sanctuary, the temple, and they made a statement. And it was going back to the book of Ezekiel where the Bible talks about how there were people who had turned their back on the temple and were facing toward the sun. And they were worshiping the sun. So in the Old Testament, they had for, uh, forsaken God who is light and begin to worship the sun as their God. They had turned their back on the temple and faced toward the sun to worship the sun. So at this time, these two priests would make a statement. We are not as our fathers who turned their back on the temple and worship the sun. So they would turn and they would face the temple. And they would make a statement that Yahweh was their God. The I Am was their God. Are y'all here tonight? The, the I Am Yahweh was their God and that He belonged to them and they belonged to Him. Now this is interesting because in the midst of all of this celebration and this light taking place in the Feast of Tabernacles and if I know, I don't know the Bible doesn't tell me but I just have a feeling that Jesus... Now, I know at the Feast of Tabernacles, and I know when the candelabras were burning, etc., etc., that he made that statement, I'm the light of the world. But I would also venture to say that while those priests were making the statement, we are not as our fathers who turned our back on Yahweh to worship the Son, and declaring that Yahweh belongs to them and that they belong to Yahweh, that at that point, Jesus said, I am Yahweh. Because when he said it and where he said it, the timing he said it was all important because everything that Jesus did was in God's timing. There was absolutely nothing that he did in life that wasn't on God's uh, time clock. So he is the one who gave them tabernacles. He's the one that was the glory cloud that led them out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness. He was the God who is the glory cloud. He is Yahweh of the Old Testament. He's the one that met Moses in the, on the back side of the desert in the burning bush who said, I am that I am. He is Yahweh. Okay? And I don't think they were ready for that. When he stood up at that moment, at that time, when that celebration was going on, he's saying, this is natural light. But he said, I'm the true light. I am God. I am Yahweh. I'm the glory cloud. He's telling them he's the one who originates light. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says, God said, let there be light. And so the one who is the origin of light, the one who said, let there be light, the one who led them out of Egypt into the Exodus and in through the wilderness by the glory cloud, that, that God that led them is standing right there over against that menorah, over against that light that's shining. And he says, it's not this natural light that you need to understand. He says, I am the light. And he said, I'm not just the light of the Jews. I am the light of the world. And the Bible says that God is light. 
God is light. Jesus said, I am light. I am, I am. Yod Hey Vav Hey. I am light. Or Yod Hey Vav Hey. Light. He is claiming that He is the eternal God standing right there who is the light and salvation of the whole world. Give God praise in the house. The timing, the place, everything was in God's control. Go to Psalm 27 verse 1. You remember the psalmist made this statement in 27 verse 1. So you know who the light is. Verse 1, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Do you see that? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the psalmist recognized the Lord, all capitalized there, Yahweh. He said, He is my light. Jesus said, I am. Yodhebaveh is the light. He claimed that He was I am, and He claimed that He was the Lord. You understand what I'm telling you today? Give God praise in the house for that. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Okay, so go back to John. So when he's declaring to the world there, to the people there in Israel, that he is the light, he says, I am. Say, I am. I am, I am is claiming to be the Lord, the eternal God. You understand that, correct? So he's claiming to be God. He claimed to be their Savior at that moment and at that time. God, he's an amazing God. He's amazing to me. I'm the believe he is the I am. Everything was on a perfect time schedule. Everything you did. The backdrop of the face, the light shining, everything. He says, I am the light of the world. The tabernacles. Now, let me just kind of talk to you just a little bit about Jesus, okay? About timing. And I'm going to talk to you about his deity here. We're going to cover a lot of things tonight. But you talk about the timing of events. God was in charge of everything he did, you know, not like you and me. We go through life and we do whatever, whenever we want most of the time. But Jesus, everything in his life was on a schedule and it was God's schedule. He said that he was the water at the right time. They were pouring out the water in the tabernacles. He said, if you believe as the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake you, the spirit that they, they, they which believe on him should believe, uh, should receive. Okay, amen? You believe me? Okay. Whew, I got so much I'm trying to go so fast here tonight. I'm trying to get it to you tonight. But everything that he did was according to God's timing. He walked into a, in a dynamic symmetry. Amen? How many of y'all understand that? If you believe as the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said that right when they poured the water out in the tabernacles. Everything was perfectly timed. Everything. The light shining in the feast of tabernacles. He's standing over by the candle menorah there and he says, I'm the light of the world. Everything. God's perfect timing. It's known as dynamic symmetry. There is a possibility that you could live in eight dimensions as a human being. And I'm not talking about the dimensions of the spirit. There's three dimensions, you know, in grace. There's seven Total days of the Lord. Uh, three dimensions in grace. I'm not going to get into all of that tonight. But there are eight dimensions that a human being can live in. And Jesus lived in the eighth dimension. 
Okay? Let me give you a couple examples. A dog lives in two dimensions. The dimension of food and love. Okay, so you give it some food, it'll go straight for the food, right? That's one dimension, straight forward to the food. And then it'll go to the right, so to speak, for love. Because the dog lives in those two dimensions. Food and love. A snail lives on a lower dimension. It only lives on one dimension. It moves straight forward. Okay? Amen? How many understand what I'm telling you? An insane person lives on two dimensions. Food and love. That's the dimension an insane person lives in. <laughs> and depending on what dimension you want to live in, I mean, you can go up to eight. But Jesus lived in eight. And I'll give you an example just real quick. He had eight parables. And every dimension that he lived in, he had a parable that correlated with that dimension. In Matthew 13, he spoke eight parables. He lived in eight dimensions, one parable per, per, per dimension. He had a dynamic symmetry about his life. Everything was perfectly timed. Amen? Let me tell you what I mean by dynamic symmetry and perfect timing. A watermelon has, if you take a watermelon that's striped, Every watermelon has an even number of stripes. Every watermelon has an even number of seeds. Every one of them. Every piece of corn that you get has an even number of rows. And every corn has an even number of kernels on the corn. That's called dynamic symmetry. The waves come in in dynamic symmetry. It can be gale force winds or it can be a breeze. It can be a hurricane or a slight wind. But there's exactly 28, six wave, 26 waves that come in. It doesn't matter how fast the wind is blowing. There's always the same number of waves that come in. And when the wave comes in that 26 times, no matter how fast the wind is blowing, it breaks seven times before it ends at the shore. God, uh, the number seven is God's number of completion. That's called dynamic symmetry. Are y'all here tonight? A sunflower. How many of y'all ever looked at a sunflower? You know why they call it a sunflower? Not because it looks like the sun, but because it follows the sun. Early in the morning, when the sun rises, are y'all with me today? Where does it rise? Rises in the what? And sets in the... Okay, good. It rises in the east and that sunflower is facing toward the sun. And as the sun moves through the sky, the sunflower tracks the sun. And it turns and it turns and it twists and it twists. And the sun goes down. And the sunflower twists back to face toward the east. And it does that every day. That's called dynamic symmetry. Amen. And the seeds on the sunflower are always in an even number. It's 2, 4, it's 8, 16, or 32, or 64. It's always in a symmetry, a dynamic, dynamic symmetry. And that sunflower, as it matures and as it gets heavy with seed, it twists and it twists and it twists and it gets so heavy that the fibers break in it and it hangs its head like this. And the back end of the sunflower faces upward so when it rains, the rain doesn't, doesn't destroy or rot the seeds. That's called dynamic symmetry. 
timing. Everything is in control. Say amen. So when Jesus came into the world, he lived in a timing, a dynamic symmetry with God. Everything was perfectly timed. He lived in that eighth dimension. And you can live where you want to, you know. You can live on the first or second or third level of the dimension. You can go as high as the eighth dimension. But Jesus always lived in that eighth dimension, dynamic symmetry. The timing was always perfect. He was always on God's timing. So whenever he stood by that candle menorah that night, and he said, I am the light of the world. That was dynamic symmetry. It was God in complete control and Jesus walking in perfect timing with the Spirit of the Lord. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good? So verse 12, he said, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am. Say, I am. He's declaring that he is the eternal God. He is the Lord. The light of what? The world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If you'll follow me like Israel did in the wilderness when the Shekinah glory cloud led them by night and the cloud by day. You should follow, Jesus said, you should follow me like they followed me then. He's letting them know he is the glory cloud. Personified right there on the earth. That now they need to be following him, the God who led them in the wilderness is standing right there. And he is the light of the world. He is their salvation. And He's telling them to follow Him. Say, follow Him. That means fall into rank like He would fall in rank to a captain. Because a captain knows where He's going. There's a lot of people today, they're out there doing their own little thing. They're going anywhere they want to go because they're not following the way they should be following. Jesus says, if you follow Him, are y'all with me right now? You're going to walk in that light. You're going to walk in that light. Because He's the captain. He knows where He's going, so you're going to follow and when you follow Him, you're going to fall into rank. You're going to get in your place. You're going to say, that's the captain. I'm going to follow the captain. I'm going to go where He leads me. I'm not going to do my own thing. That's what the word follow means. It says, He that followed me shall not walk in darkness. Are y'all here tonight? Say, praise the Lord if you are. But you'll have the light of life. Fall into rank as one following a captain because the captain knows where he's going. The word follow is also connected with another picture, the counselor. The counselor counsels people and the people have to follow the counselor of the counselor. That's what the word follow means. If you're going to follow him, you've got to follow the counselor of the counselor. You've got to do what the counselor tells you to do. And so he says, if you will follow him like they did in the wilderness, he makes a promise. The Bible says, they shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Say the light of life. You're not going to walk in darkness. He's not just talking about physical darkness. He's not talking about natural darkness. He's talking about spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. You can be morally dark. You can be spiritually dark, full of religion. A lot of different ways you can live in darkness. But he said, if you follow him, you're not going to walk in that darkness. You're going to walk in light. You're going to have salvation. You're going to have life. Amen. Give the Lord praise. And this is more than the Pharisees can take when he claims to be, I am the eternal God. The eternal God. And that he's claiming to be the light of the world. They can't handle that, verse 13. So the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus even made that statement. We've already covered it in the Gospel of John. 
He said, if I bear record of myself, he said, my record is not true. What he was telling him is this. If I come here and I have no witness, and I just say of my own self that I am this or I am that, he said, my record's not true. But because he is not saying it on his own, he has witnesses. He's already covered it with them. He had John the Baptist. He had the Word of God. He had the Father. Are y'all with me, etc.? He already went through all that with them. He already declared to them the witness. We already went through that as the, in the gospel as well. He already went through. He went four, through four witnesses that declared who he was. They still didn't believe him. But he made that statement. He said, "If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true." But the problem is, is not a problem. What he was saying is this: if it was only him, it wouldn't be true. But so now they are taking his words and they're trying to use the words that he spake against him. The Pharisees therefore said, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. We heard you say that before. That very statement. And that would be true if Jesus was the only one bearing witness to himself. But he's got four other witnesses that bore witness to him. He already told them that. But they want to get into an argument with him. So the Bible says, you're bearing witness of yourself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. He says, I know who I am. I know where I came from. He knows he's the one that sent. And he knows the one who sent him. He knows that he's the I am. And the testimony that he is the I am and the testimony that he is the father is enough. To bear witness. Y'all with me so far? Look at what he says. Jesus answered and said to them, Though I bear witness, record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But, I, but you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. He's telling I, he knows where he came from. He came from God. He came from God. See, they thought he came from Galilee. He came from God. He's born in Bethlehem. He came from God. So y'all with me so far? He said, you judge after the flesh. I judge no man. So now he's going to talk about judgment here. And he says, you're judging me based on appearance. You're, you're judging me according to the flesh. You are judging me based on what you see outwardly. And all you see outwardly is basically what he said. No, all you see outwardly is a man. You're looking at me and all you see is a man. You don't see the I am. You don't see God standing there. You don't see the light of the world standing there. All you see is a man. That's all you see. He said, you're judging according to outward appearance or according to the world. Y'all with me so far? He said, that's the way you judge. You judge after the flesh. You judge after the standards of the world. You judge the way the world uh, judges. And he says, but I judge no man. Isn't that interesting? Because in John, he says, if you'll turn there, verse 39 of chapter 9, Jesus said, for judgment I am coming to this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. So here he says, he came into this world, and the Bible says he came for judgment. 
So is there a contradiction here? No. He's letting them know that they judge according to a certain standard. And their standard is based on the world's standard. And that's based on what they can see with their natural eyes. It's based on worldly standards, worldly drives, worldly desires. Okay. But he said, I judge no man. In what way? John 9 says he came to judge. He came for the, for the reason, uh, the reason he came was for to judge. Is there a contradiction? He said, but I judge no man. He's letting you know. He said, I don't judge like you judge. But I don't judge according to the appearance. I don't uh, judge according to what you can see or the world standards. If I judge, he said, my judgment's true. Look at it. Are you all with me so far? Verse 16, yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am the, I am the Father that sent me. You get that? Hmm. Interesting. Did he not always say in John chapter 3, we covered it, he said he didn't come into the world to condemn the, wor condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved? The word judge there when he says, I judge no man, can also be translated condemn. You understand? So he's telling them, I didn't come here to condemn you. I came to save you. There's coming a day when he will return as an apocalyptic judge. And he will judge the world. He will condemn the world. But he came for the purpose, the first time, to save man. He didn't come to condemn man. He came to save man. So when he says, I don't, he says, I judge no man. He's letting you know he doesn't, he's not judging or condemning men like he will in the final judgment. He's come to save them. You understand? But ultimately, he's letting them know that he's not judging. If he judges, he's not judging based on the way they judge, and that's outward appearance or fleshly world judgment without the Spirit of God. Ooh, catch this. Are you all with me right now? There's a contrast going on here. The way they judge, they judge without the Spirit of God. They judge based on uh, worldly standards. If he judges, he judges based on the Spirit of God. Do you understand that? He's not basing his judgment just on outward appearance. His judgment will be based on the Spirit of God that is in him. Not worldly. Say praise the Lord. Because as we go through this whole chapter, he does nothing but judge. But yet he says, I judge no man. And he's going to pass one verdict after another verdict after another verdict. One judgment after another judgment after another judgment throughout this whole chapter. But yet he says, I judge no man. There's no contradiction. He's telling them, I don't judge the way you judge. You judge without the Spirit of God. You judge based on a worldly standard. He says, if I judge, are y'all with me? He says, my judgment is true. Are y'all awake tonight? For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. He said, the Spirit of God is going to be the one in me that's judging the situation. So you judge everything based on the flesh, based on what you can see, based on the world's standards, etc. without the Spirit of God. But he says, when I pass a judgment, the Father's going to be behind that judgment. You understand what he's telling you here? The Spirit. And he will do that. He'll pass a verdict on every, every 
I mean, you want to see what I'm telling you in just a minute. Okay? Now, as we look at this, I need to talk to you about judgment. Because Jesus had already made the statement in John chapter 7. He said, don't judge after appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. He's already told them that once before. When you judge, judge righteous judgment. Judge based on what is the truth, not based on what you see with your eyes, but based on the truth and the Spirit of God. Do you understand? So He's the light of the world. He's the one that's going to uncover everything that's error, and He's going to reveal everything that is true. Okay, say amen. Jesus, you talk about judgment. Jesus is going to be the ultimate judge. He's going to make the final decisions because He knows all the facts. None of us have all the facts. None of us know the outcome. The final outcome, I should say. We don't have all the facts. We don't know the final outcome. God reserves the judgment of heaven and hell for Himself. Do you understand that? Are y'all with me? Finally, in the final outcome, and the final judgment, the eternal judgment, that belongs to God. Amen. Say praise the Lord. You don't have the facts to sit on that throne. You don't have the facts to cast that final eternal judgment. And at this point, Jesus is not sitting on the great white throne, casting that final judgment. Are y'all with me tonight? Uh, that eternal judgment that determines where people will spend up eternally. But He's still going to go and He's going to set men on either side of Himself, two groups, those that believe Him and those that don't. He's going to judge them that way. Because basically what's going to happen when they position themselves to Him, that will determine where they are. Are y'all with me so far? So you talk about judgment, then it's important to understand that He's not saying that you don't judge anything in life as a believer. You have to judge life. You have to, to make verdicts. You have to make decisions. You have to judge this and judge that. You have the right to stay within the boundary of Scripture and judge what's right and what's wrong by the boundary of Scripture. Amen. A lot of times, as I share with the church Sunday morning, a lot of people say, well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged. So, we're not supposed to judge anybody because Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. Or, you, you know, they say, you're judging me. Well, they take it completely out of context. Because where Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, the context is, don't judge if you've got a plank in your eye and the other person has a speck of dust in theirs. That's the context. Okay? He's not telling you absolutely to never pass a judgment on anything. You are not violating that Scripture when you take the Word of God and you judge life and you judge situations as wrong or right according to the boundaries of Scripture. In fact, the Bible tells you He which is spiritual judge all things. Yet He is judged of no man. So when He talks about, you know, Judgment in the Word of God. It's not like you go through life and you never pass judgment on wrong or right, or good or bad, or violations of Scripture or the keeping of Scripture. That's not what he says there. 
he's letting you know the context is don't judge somebody for something that you're guilty of. Because if you do that, God's judgment's coming on you. That's the context of it. But people are always pulling the Word of God out of context. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, Judgment begins at the house of God. And I shared with this with many of you Sunday morning. Judgment begins at the house of God. That means once you get saved and you come into the church, you are under the judgment and the authority of the church and the Word of God from that day forward. Anybody who doesn't want to come into the judgment and the authority of the church and the Word of God after being saved is in rebellion against God. Because judgment begins at the house of God. Say praise the Lord. Give the Lord worship. So what God has in the area of judgment, uh, I don't have, I mean, I can judge somebody in the world and I can tell you right now, they're lost. They're living in the world, you know, living in sin. By the Word of God, I can tell you by the Word of God, they're lost. You're judging me. That's right, by the Word of God. But I don't know you're going to stay that way. So I can't pass an eternal verdict on you because there may be somewhere down the road that you repent, get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost and start living for God. So I can't say to you this day, even though you're lost now, that you are going to hell because I don't know the final outcome of your life. God has reserved that for Himself. So when Jesus says, I judge no man, He's telling him, I don't judge the way you judge based on worldly standards without the Spirit of God. That's the contrast here. He's not here to condemn them eternally. It's not time for that yet. That will take place in the future. Say praise the Lord. But as far as life and situations and, and matters that concern life, you have to pass judgment. And as a believer, you have to pass judgment on what's right and what's wrong. And you have to stay within the boundaries of Scripture to know what is right and what's wrong and pass judgment based on that. Give the Lord praise in the house. So, when he says here, I judge no man, he's letting him know, I'm not judging like you judge. But if I do judge, my, my, my judgment is true, he says. So look at it. Verse 16, yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. But I am the Father that sent me. See? It's not just going to be a man judging. It's going to be the Father in Him. The I Am that is in Him. The Spirit of God that is in Him. And in John 5, the Bible says the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. Hello? So when He, when, when G, if Jesus judges, it's going to be valid judgment. It's not going to be like these religious devils standing there and looking at Him and saying, you're just a man. Judging him based on outward appearance and worldly standards. Are y'all here tonight? Their judgment was not true judgment. It wasn't rooted in truth. It was rooted in error and lies. They were blinded by the world. Their standard was the world. And when they looked at Jesus, all they saw was a man. Say amen. But if Jesus judges, he's going to judge based on the truth. And the Spirit of God that is in him. The Spirit, not void of the Spirit, but the Spirit in Him. Say praise the Lord, church, okay? We're going to see that. So now, verse 13, instead of them following the lights, they are rejecting the lights. They want to walk in the darkness, these Pharisees. 
Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. How can you say that you are, I am the light? How can you make yourself equal to the eternal God who is the light of the world? How can you do that? What you're saying, you are saying of your own self. He says, well, your judgment, he's saying to them, your judgment is not valid. Your judgment is not authentic. Because your judgment is based on what you see only. And all you see is a man. He said, but if I judge, he said, my judgment's true. Right? Why? For I am not alone. But I am the Father. But I am the Father that sent me. You see that? He said, I know. He said, he knows he's the sent one. And he knows who sent him. As the I am that is sent... And the I am that is the one who is sending him. All right. The spirit of God is is sending Jesus on this mission. And they don't they're not in touch with the reality. That he is the one that is sent. They're not in touch with the one that is being sent and the one who sent him. They're not in touch with that reality. And so when they pass a judgment. They don't have that reality working in them. That he is the sent one, and he is the one, and he is the one that is uh, behind the sending. He's God. In his deity, he's God sending. In his humanity, he's the one sent. And they're not in touch with any of those realities that bear witness to who he is. All they have is an outward, fleshly, carnal judgment without the illumination of the Spirit of God. Amen? So they're not in touch with that reality. Who He is. All they see is a man from Galilee. You see what I'm telling you? Alright, say praise the Lord. Verse 17. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. I love it. Those two witnesses, the sent one and the one that sent. So that's all the witnesses you need, the sent one, the one that was sent. So I'm the sent one. I know who I'm from. I know where I'm from. I'm from God. I know the mission I'm sent on. I know what I'm supposed to do. Hallelujah. So as the sent one and the one, hallelujah, that sent him, what? On the mission. He's got plenty of witness right there. He can bear witness of himself and, and the Father bears witness of him. Praise God. He bears witness of himself as the sent one and as the Father. He bears witness that he sent him. Praise God. Give the Lord worship. So, you know, I want to get into a debate with him. Verse 19. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Hmm. Where is thy father? He just said, I am the one that bears witness of myself. And the Father that sent me bears witness of me. Then said they unto him, where is thy Father? The insinuation is, he's illegitimate. Where is your Father? You claim that the Father sent you. Where is your Father? Say praise the Lord. Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my Father. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. 
Let's just talk about this just for a minute, okay? When you talk about I am that I am, when Jesus said I am the light of the world, I am, yod hey vav hey, the Lord. So he's claiming to be the Lord, right? I am. So, <clears throat> eternal God, the eternal God, is dwelling in that body, Jesus Christ. When you talk about the Father and the Son, you're not talking about two separate persons. When Jesus made reference to the Father, He was making reference to the eternal Spirit that was in Him. When the Father made reference to the Son, the Father was making reference to the humanity of Jesus. You understand that? So when Jesus talked about the Father, He's talking about His relationship as a man with the Spirit of God. Relationship. You understand? So that the eternal God I am the invisible eternal God I am is the, is the same as the Spirit of the Lord. I am is the Spirit of the Lord. I am is also the Spirit of the Father. I am is also the Spirit of God. I am is the Holy Spirit. Not different spirits, but one Spirit of God if you call Him the Father, if Jesus calls Him Father, He's emphasizing His relationship as a man to the eternal Spirit. If the Bible makes reference to I Am as Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is speaking of God in action. You understand? God in action. And so we have the Holy Ghost overshadowing Mary, God in action, causing the birth of Jesus in His humanity. So, instead of the Bible telling us in the, in the book of Luke, whenever the Spirit of God moved on the womb of the Virgin Mary, instead of calling it saying the Father moved on the womb, it says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is a term that speaks of God in action. So God is moving in action over the virgin womb, causing the birth of Jesus in His humanity. But when Jesus talks about His relationship with God, that Spirit, He calls Him Father because the emphasis is upon His relationship instead of God in action as the Holy Ghost, the focus is God in relationship. That makes sense. When you talk about the Son in the Bible, the Son, if you look at Romans, I believe it's chapter 5, the Bible talks about the Son is a sacrifice for sin. He died on the cross. 
the Son of Man. Sometimes the focus on the Son is on His humanity and His humanity alone. But sometimes we talk about the Son, the Scripture talks about Him, God in flesh. Focusing. Remember, He's made the statement. You're going to see the Son of Man coming in power. The right hand. Remember that? Coming in power. The Son of Man is going to come in power. Say, Son of Man, coming in power. The emphasis there is both His humanity and His deity. So when you talk about the Son then, sometimes it's just His humanity alone in Scripture, but sometimes it's His humanity and His deity that is the focus. But it's always God incarnate. When you talk about the Son, you're talking about God incarnate. The Son is never seen as God alone. The Son is always God incarnation. God's incarnation. Always. The Son is never God alone. It's always God incarnation. That's the Son. The Holy Ghost, as I've already explained to you, when you say the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, you are telling, you are making a statement as to who the Father is. He is the Holy Ghost. He's holy in His attributes. And He's a Spirit. Alright, y'all with me today? So, when you talk about Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you're not talking about three separate persons. You're talking about God in three manifestations or God in three offices or three roles. Are y'all here? As Father, He's in a relationship with the man Christ Jesus. Relationship is the focus. But the same Spirit, not another Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the, the word Holy Ghost is because it's God in action. When you say Son, you're talking about His humanity and ultimately God incarnated in flesh. Give the Lord praise in the house. So when He's talking here, and He says, I am the light of the world. He's speaking as the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Father. The Spirit of the Lord. Are y'all here tonight? He's speaking as the invisible Spirit, the eternal God. When He said, I am the light of the world. I am that I am. I'm that eternal God. I am the Spirit of the Father. I am the Spirit of the Lord. I am the, the Holy Ghost. That one Spirit. Just called different by different names depending on His function or relationship to the Son. Say Amen. Give God praise. But then when he makes reference to the Father, it's not that he's talking about a second person. He's talking as a man there. As a man. See, when he said, I am the light of the world, he's speaking as God. When he makes reference to the Father, in John 14, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when he makes reference to the Father, he's not speaking to the second person. He's speaking about the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Father, the Holy Ghost that's inside of him. The eternal God that dwells in him. So at times he's speaking as a man, as a son, about the Father, the Spirit that's in him. Not two persons. Are y'all here today? Give the Lord worship in the house. So when he said, I am the light of the world, that was more than they could swallow. 
They could not believe that He was the one that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. They could not believe He was the glory cloud that led Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. They could not believe that He was the one that said, Let there be light. They could not believe. As John said in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, they couldn't believe He was not that light concerning uh, John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That light, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He is the origin of man's life. Verse 10, He was in the world, the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His what? Glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So He is the true light. He is the origin of life and light. He is the God-man. Are y'all here with me now? And so that was more than they could take when He said, I am the light of the world. Because outward appearance was telling them He's just a man. He just gets through declaring that He's more than a man, that He's the God of Israel, and He's the salvation of the world. Say praise the Lord. So it talks about in verse 16, And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. He's speaking as a man, and He's letting them know that He's not just a man, but the Father is sending Him as a man on His mission. Give the Lord worship in the house. So in this context, He's going to speak as God. I am the light of the world. And then He'll speak as a man. And He'll make reference to the Father. His relationship as a man with the Spirit of God as Father. So He calls Him Father. I will tell you this, that God is Father in creation in His relationship to mankind. He is Son in redemption. God come in the flesh. He's the Holy Ghost dwelling inside of you, regenerating you and sanctifying you. Not three separate persons, but God in three manifestations. This is Jesus Christ. Say Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Now the Bible says, watch this. Woo, glory to God. This is more than they can take. Verse 19, then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Come on, show us your father. We can't tell by looking at you that God is testifying on your behalf. Show us where God is testifying. Show us where God is witnessing to you. Are y'all here right now? You have made some claims. You have made your, made, made the claim that you are the bread of 
heaven. You said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. I am the bread. Oh, praise God. You have made some claims that you are the living water. You have made some claims. We don't like your claims. So now you say that you testify of yourself because you know where you came from and you know where you're going. You came from God, eternal spirit, and you're going back to God. Eternal spirit, heaven, is your origin. Hallelujah. Uh, and you testify that you know that. And you testify the Father is witnessing on your behalf. But we can't see the Father. Where's the Father? Show us uh, where He's standing up and witnessing on your behalf. Uh, or supporting your claim here that you are, I am the light of the world. Where is the Father witnessing on your behalf? Oh, give God praise in the house. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. I, I love you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. Praise the Lord God. He said, you don't even know God. He said, when you pass a judgment, you pass a judgment on outward appearance and you don't know the one that's standing in front of you is the Father in flesh. You don't understand that God the I Am, the eternal God, is standing right here in front of you. You don't know that. Give God praise in the house. He said, because you don't know the Father, he said, you don't know me. He said, if you know me, you would have known the Father. Because you're looking at the Father in sonship. You're looking at the eternal spirit veiled in flesh. Give God praise in the house. Oh, it doesn't get much clearer or much plainer than that. He's telling them, you don't know the Father or do you don't know me. He said, you should have known my, if you knew me, you'd known my Father also. Are y'all getting the point here? God in sonship, the light of the world, has come in human form and walked among the world that He created. Oh, I love Him right now. He's the God that led them out of Egypt. He's the God that said, let there be life. He is the origin of life. He's the one that said to Moses, I am that I am is sending you. The eternal God, tell him the eternal God in the burning bush is sending you a Moses. Give God praise. And here he is standing right in their midst and they don't know who he is. They don't know he's the father in sonship. They don't know he's God incarnated. They don't know who he is. Oh, give the Lord praise in the house. Now listen to me. You don't talk like that without being willing to die. Because about seven months from now, he's going to die for what he's saying right here. He's telling them, you don't even know God. You are a bunch of religious devils. You judge based on the standard of the world. You're not spirit driven. Oh, give God praise in this house. You don't even know the Father. If you knew Him, Jesus, then you would have known the Father. Give God praise in this house. You don't talk like that to people who say they know God. You don't talk to people like that that say their father is God. You don't talk to people like that unless you really, really mean business and you know it's know the truth about them. He's passing judgment on them. He says you don't know God. If you had known me, you would have known the father. Verdict. Judgment. 
Hallelujah to the Lamb. And the verdict he's passing down is not just fleshly. It's not worldly standards. And it's not to motivate it without the Spirit of God. It's motivated by the Spirit of God in him. It's not worldly standards. Are y'all here right now? So he's passing judgment on them. He's putting a verdict on them. And he said, you don't know the Father. And if you knew me, you would have known the Father. Give God praise in the house. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. What a mighty God we serve. Woo, glory to God. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Now, you see, when you start a conversation, it always has four levels. You start out with intellectual conversation with somebody. All right? You, you try to stay quiet. Uh, you enter into an intellectual dialogue with them. All right? We're going to have a discussion. And so we sit down and we talk about it, right? And at the beginning of our discussion, everybody trying to stay on the straight and narrow path as to their conversation. That's intellectual conversation. Uh, but then it moves from intellectual to emotional. And we, what happens is now, uh, emotion is your face is getting redder. Are y'all here tonight? And your voice is getting louder. And so now the emotion is in the thing. Then uh, you move progressively in dialogue from uh, intellectual discussion to emotion. And then you move next to slander. Slander. Say slander. Got to find a way to slander Jesus. And then after you get to the third level, you move to the fourth level, which is physical. You will see by the end of this chapter, we have moved from intellectual to emotional. We move from emotional to slander. And from slander, we move to the physical. They want to take stones and kill him. They want to be done with him. They want him to be out of the way. So that dialogue, this argument, this name calling between them and Jesus is going to end in a physical confrontation. Give the Lord praise in the house. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. And so Jesus, God in flesh, standing before them, is going to lay one judgment, one verdict after another to them. It's going to get heated. It's going to get emotional. It's going to get into the realm of slander. They're going to slander Jesus. And then they're going to try to kill him physically. That's the progression of this argument and this name-calling session. Give God praise in the house. Oh, kosataya. I know you probably didn't know this was in the Bible, but this is reality. And so, here we go. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now what Jesus is saying is the truth about Him. Verse 20, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as He taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on Him, for His hour was not yet come. He's standing over there in the treasury, which is located in the court of the women, is where the candle, men where the candle menorahs were located as well. That's where He is during this whole time. He's in the temple. He's in church. And He's facing a bunch of spiritual devils. He's talking to a bunch of spiritual ignoramuses. They are nothing but spiritual ignoramuses who want to be ignorant. 
ignorant. There, let me tell you how to guarantee a place in hell. You want to know how to guarantee your place in hell? Walk in willful ignorance and walk in self-righteousness. Give yourself to this world and you will guarantee yourself a place in hell. He's standing in front of a bunch of spiritual, religious ignoramuses who want to be willfully ignorant. Hallelujah to the Lamb. They don't want to see. They don't want to hear what He's saying to them here. He, oh, friend, it's going to get heated. There's going to be name calling going on in this chapter. And the names that Jesus calls them is based in truth and reality. What they say about Him is of the devil. Give God praise in this house. I love you, my Jesus. And this is all going on right in the church house. This is what you have when you've got organized religion. You've got a bunch of spiritual devils in the house. Oh, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. I praise him. Oh, glory to God in the house. So in verse 20, Jesus said these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. Say in the temple. And no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. They want to kill him right then and right Right then, right there. In that moment, they want to kill him. But the Bible tells us no man can lay hands on him because the power of God is on him. And it's not his hour yet. He's in dynamic symmetry. He's not going to die until it's time for him to lay down his life. Nobody's going to murder him. He's going to lay down his life. Give God praise in the house they want to murder the Christ of God. Oh, hallelujah. They got murder in their hearts. They want to crucify, or not crucify, they want to kill, stone him to death. Give the Lord praise in the house. They got murder in their hearts. So watch. The Bible says in verse 21, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. See, their insinuation was... Uh, that uh, show us your father. Their insinuation was he is illegitimate. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mary, Mary. Uh, we're not even so sure that your daddy wasn't a Roman. Show us your father. See, they are denying the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Oh, give the Lord praise in the house. Show us who your daddy is. Well, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. See, they thought he was born of fornication. They thought he was an illegitimate son. I'll say it this way. It's a strong word, but it's a Bible word. They thought he was a bastard son. That's the way they looked at him. So they said, where is your father? Show us where he is. We're not even so sure that your father's not a Roman somewhere. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. They are in denial and they're rejecting the virgin birth. Of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says it this way. Now watch. He said in verse 21. Then said. He's responding to their reaction. Jesus again unto them. I go my way. And you shall seek me. And shall die in your sins. Whither I go. You cannot come. He's telling them. And we're going to see it at the end of the chapter. He's going to die. And he's going to go back to heaven. 
Are y'all here? And he's letting them know you better take your opportunity right now. He said, because there's coming a time when you're going to lose your chance. You're going to lose your opportunity. He said, are you here? He's going to die and he's going to go back to heaven. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Now watch this. Are y'all here? I'm talking about his place of origin. I'm not talking, I'm not saying that he is a man pre-existed in heaven. I'm saying as to his origin. Oh, hallelujah. His origin is from heaven. Give the Lord praise in the house. Now. Jesus said in verse 21, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Look at that. Verdict, another verdict, another judgment. He said, I'm going to go, he says, my way. You're going to seek me and shall die in your sin. Remember, they already talked about it in a previous chapter. He said, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to the Gentiles? Is he going to leave us and go over to the Gentiles? Is he going to preach? Oh, no, 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 no. He's, he's bringing it out to him again. Praise God. He's going to die and go back to the place of his origin. Now, so they say, where, where is he going? Where are you going to go? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? All right. Now, listen. This is powerful. He said, you're going to die in your sins. Wow. Heavy judgment. Heavy verdict. Give the Lord praise in the house. It's not based on the flesh. It's based on truth and the Spirit of God. He's telling them. Now watch this. Woo, glory to God. Verse 22. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? <laughs> is, is he talking about committing suicide? Because see, they, they understood that he was implying he's going to die. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. And he's implying he's going to die. Praise God. Is he going to kill himself? Is he going to commit suicide? And is he, when he commits suicide, going to go into the darkest region of the damned? Is that what he's talking about? Listen to me. Listen to what the Word of God is saying. Are y'all here tonight? Then said the Jews, these are the religious leaders, will he kill himself because he saith, whither I go you cannot come? Watch this. He said unto them, you are from beneath. Let me explain what's going on here. See, they think he's going to commit suicide like religious cult leaders you've seen in modern days. That's the way they are interpreting what he's saying. He's going to commit suicide. And in the Jewish mind, if you commit suicide... You go to the lowest part, the lowest compartment in damnation if you commit suicide. Not only, that's bad enough, if you commit suicide, the Jews said you go to the darkest place in hell, but they also, according to Josephus, would not even give you a public funeral if you committed suicide. And so in their mind, they think Jesus is saying he's going to commit suicide and he's going to go into the lowest part of hell. Therefore, they, they're not going to follow him because they're going to paradise. <laughs> yeah, right. You talk about deluded. You talk about messed up. See, in their estimation, they feel like they're going to heaven and he's going to hell. You catch what I'm telling you? Did you come to learn the Bible or did? What is his response to them? He said to them, Ye are from beneath. Whoa, another judgment, another verdict. 
No, you think you, you have this idea that I'm going to commit suicide and go into the underworld. He said, no, you're from beneath. You think you're going to paradise, but you're going to the darkest of the damnation. Right now, you're going to die in your sins and you're going to go into the darkest place in hell. That's where you're going, not where I'm going. He said, I'm going up because up is what I'm about. Up is what I'm about. You're about down. You're about hell. I'm about up. My mission is by God from up. Your mission is from down here, motivated by the spirit of hell. You're motivated by the devil. You're motivated by the world. Your doctrine is of hell. Your attitude is of hell. Your spirit is of hell. Your origin, your orientation is in hell. So they think they're going to paradise with their doctrine. And they're denying Him, rejecting Him. The only God of salvation there is. The only life that there is. And they're rejecting Him. And thinking they're going to heaven. And think He's saying He's going to commit suicide and He's going to go into the underworld. You talk about deluded. Hallelujah. He said, them, you are from beneath. I am from above. He said, I'm about up, not down. You're about down, not up. Look at this. You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Your doctrine, your spirit, your attitude, your whole judgment is rooted in this world. And it's from, its origin is from the Underworld. It's from hell. Give God praise in the house. Verse 24. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. If you don't believe that the Spirit of the Father is dwelling in this body. If you don't believe that I am the eternal God, I am that I am. If you don't believe I'm God, you're going to die in your sins. Let me tell you right now, you cannot go to heaven if you can't change your mind as to who He is. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, you're going to die in your sins and you're going to go into the lowest part of hell. You have to believe that Jesus is the eternal God. You have to believe the Spirit of the Lord dwelt in Him. You have to believe the Spirit of the Father was in Him. You have to believe that He's God come in the flesh. If you don't believe that, you're going to die and go to hell. You're going to die in your sins. That's what Jesus said. Because you don't believe that I am. And the word he is in italics. You don't believe I am Yahweh. I am is Yahweh. You don't believe I'm Yahweh. You don't believe I'm the glory cloud. 
You don't believe I'm the one that met Moses in the burning bush. You don't believe I'm the one that said, let there be light. You don't believe I am the light of the world. You don't believe that. You don't believe I'm God. You're going to die in your sins. He said, well, I don't have to believe that Jesus is God. If you don't, you're going to die in your sins. And you're not going up, you're going down. Ooh, glory to God. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? You talk about blind. You talk about spiritually ignorant and willful, willful, willful ignorance. He just got through telling them who he was. He's been telling them who he, he is uh, the whole time. He's been telling them who he is. And they're saying, who art thou? Who do you think you are? You claim to be I am, the eternal God. Who do you think you are? Who are you? They're mocking him. And Jesus saith unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. He said, what I've been telling you all along, he said, the same. <laughs> Give God praise in the house. <laughs> Glory to God. They're standing over those two priests are saying, We're Yahweh's. We belong to Yahweh. We turn our back on sun God worship and turn to him the temple. And while they're saying we're Yahweh's, he says. He screams it out. He lets them know he's the spiritual light. He's God in action to bring salvation to the world. Who, who art thou? There's nothing more ridiculous and dangerous than organized religion. Then said they unto him, verse 25, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you. He said, I still got things I want to talk to you, tell you. He said, I still got some things I want to tell you. And there's some more verdicts that I want to pass down on you. I thought he said he judges no man. He said, I got plenty more to judge. He said, I'm not judging the way you judge the outward appearance. You can't see I'm God. You can't see I'm the Father. You refuse to see that. But I got, I got some other things to judge you on. Woo! You don't want to get in a shouting match with Jesus. You don't want to get in an argument, a dialogue with Jesus. I mean, things are saying to judge you. But he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. Isn't that awesome? Ah, I love it, man. I just love it. Verse 27. 
they understood not that He spake to them of the Father. Isn't that sad? He said, Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man. Every time the term lifted up is used in reference to His crucifixion, it is always the Son of Man that dies. Because God, the eternal Spirit that's in Him, God doesn't die. But the humanity that God is in dies. So the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. The humanity of Jesus is going to die. You understand what I'm telling you? And when he talks about being lifted up, his focus is on his humanity dying. The Father's not going to die. The Father that's in him is not going to die. But the Son of Man is going to die. But he's going to move as he begins to deal with them further. And he's not talking about lift, being lifted up. He's going to start using the term Son of God. But as long as the focus is being lifted up, Son of Man. Are y'all with me today? He's going to die as a man, although he is God. Now watch the Bible says, look. He said, then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am. When I die for you and I give you grace to get the revelation of what I'm telling you. Woo, give God praise in the house. He's letting them know if they don't change their mind and come to an understanding that He is the eternal God in flesh, they're going to die in their sins and perish forever. But when He's lifted up, when the Son of Man is lifted up, when He dies for them on the cross, He's going to offer them mercy and grace to believe that He is the I Am come in flesh. Give the Lord worship in the house. That is fulfilling the mission of the Father. The Father has sent Him to do that very thing. To die for the world. Are y'all awake? Better. Yeah. Isn't God good? And said, Jesus unto them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, or I am. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father had taught me, I speak these things. He said, I'm not promoting myself. He said, I didn't come into this world to promote self. He said, I came here to fulfill the mission of the Father. He's speaking as a man who's on a mission from the Father. The Father is sending him. He's proceeding from the Father as far as his mission is concerned. He's being sent by the Father as to His mission. And that is to die for the world and to save the world. Now watch. Glory to God. Then said Jesus unto them, verse 28, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am, and He and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. That Spirit of God that's in me. And He that sent me is with me. 
The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. Dynamic symmetry. Everything He did was on God's timing. At the right place, at the right time, when they wanted to try to kill Him right there in verse 20, they wanted to kill Him, but it wasn't God's time. And the power of God kept them from killing Him. And when he's lifted up on the cross, he will not be abandoned of God. He will not be abandoned. The Bible says, now watch this. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. But it was only temporary. They are like the ones of John chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 23. The Bible says, Many believed on him when they saw the miracles that he did. But he did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them. Their belief wasn't a true, genuine belief. You'll see it. They just believed on him. It was only temporary. They're going to try to kill him before the chapter's over. Are y'all here with me right now? Watch. I want to, I want to show you what he's going to tell us. He's going to tell us something very powerful here. We believe in you now. We'll follow you now. Watch what he tells them. That proves that their confession of faith is bogus. It's not real. He looks at them. And he says in verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You claim to believe, he said, but here's what qualifies the true believer. If you continue in my word, if you abide in my word, if you stick to my word. That's what the translation is. It's not just a profession. I believe. If you continue in his word. If you abide in his word. If you stay in his word. Then are you my disciples. Indeed. Look at what he said in, in 2 John verse 9. 2 John. Go to the second epistle of John verse 9. Ooh, glory to God in the highest. Jesus is not some fictitious person in a trinity. Jesus is God come in the flesh. He is the I am that I am. Standing in human form among them. If you do not believe that He is God, you are going to die in your sins. Look at what John says. John, 2 John, verse 9. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. 2 John, verse 9. Look at it. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. If you don't continue in the doctrine of Christ, who he is. Not just his teaching, but who he is. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not 
God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If you don't believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh, and then when you have him, you have both the Father and the Son, you don't belong to God. You have to continue in the doctrine of Christ. You have to abide. You have to keep going. You have to stick with that truth to the end. If you don't, you won't be saved. You will not be saved. Because the doctrine of Christ teaches you He is Father and Son. If you believe He's just the Son and not the Father, you're going to die and go to hell. If you don't believe that He is the Father and the Son, the Father in His Spirit, I'm talking about His deity, and in His humanity, the Son, you don't have the doctrine of Christ. You have to abide in that doctrine. So He's letting them know. You want to know who a true believer is? He said, to those Jews that believe on Him, if you continue in My Word, if you abide in My Word, then are you My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the truth he's talking about is not just a doctrine. It's not just a knowledge or facts about him. It's about knowing him who is the truth. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The doctrine of Christ is a person who he is. He is the truth. Why do I say that? Because there's a lot of people who have a lot of facts about him academically but that don't make you his disciple just having academics you have to know him who is the truth and you have to abide in him come on you have to continue in his word you go to some Bible college or some colleges they, will, they use that right there, academics, the you know, academic program. They will say, when you came here, it's going to make you free because you're going to get the academics that you're looking for. It's going to make you free. Academics alone does not make you free. He is the only one that can make you free. He, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the truth. Academics are not enough. You have to abide in Him. You have to continue in Him. Don't just start and say, but are you abiding in Him? Now watch this in verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Glory to God in the highest. They answered Him. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And instead of responding to that positively, they want to argue with him. Stupid ignorance. What do you mean the truth will make us free? We've never been in bondage to any man. Oh, really? You've never been in bondage to any man? You were in bondage in Egypt? You've never been in bondage to any man. You were in bondage in Babylon. 
you bunch of lying devils. We made every minute of the body see any man. Are you insinuating that we're not free? That's their point. Mm. You, you, you should have been there. I'm trying to bring you to where he, yeah. you, you think everything is all smooth and creamy and buttery and soft and gentle. And, eh. They're about ready to kill him. And he's telling them the truth. He's passing one verdict after another verdict, one judgment after another, another judgment. It's all rooted in the truth. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed. We're, we're never, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Well, it is true. You're Abraham's seed. You are naturally a descendant of Abraham. But so was Ishmael. Big deal. Because it's not important what your natural generation was. What's important is your spiritual generation. Big deal. You're Abraham's seed. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You're Abraham's seed. You're a descendant of Abraham. Yeah, but so was Ishmael. You hear what they're saying? We're not illegitimate children. Where's your father? We be Abraham's seed. And we've never been in a bondage. Never been in bondage to you. Praise the Lord. What do you mean we're going to be made free? You're saying we're not free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. You claim to be descendants of Abraham? You claim to be free? You claim to have never been in bondage to any man? He said, I'll tell you, you're in bondage right now. You're in bondage right now. You're in bondage to sin. He said, you're in bondage. Your master is sin. You're from beneath. You're of the world. He already told him. If you don't like what I'm preaching, you're a part of it. You're in the same spiritual group as they are. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. He said, I'm trying to get you to see, I'm not how y'all hear. I, he said, I'm not trying to get you to focus on the physical bondages that you've been in. He's telling you, your bondage is sin. He said, you need to be made free from sin. Give God praise in the house. In fact, you're a servant to the Romans right now. 
carrying bondage right now to the Romans. But your greatest bondage is sin. You're a servant of sin. Not us. We're Abraham's seed. In that culture, they believe all they had to do was say, we're of Abraham. They believed that they were a descendant of Abraham naturally. They were automatically going to heaven. That if a Jew did go to hell, all he had to do when he got there was to say, I'm Abraham's seed. And hell would have to close the door. And he'd have, they couldn't let him in. Just because he claimed to be a descendant of Abraham. He said, you're from beneath, you're of the world. Yeah, no, come on. You're not free. That's in, you're not free. No, we're Abraham's seed. We're not going to hell. We're going to heaven. We're not admonished yet to be now. Thank you, Ryan Davis. Y'all want any more of this? No, you don't. You don't want any more of this. You're not going to do anything with it. Uh, I better stop judging you. I better stop passing verdict on you. I think you do. Watch what he says. He said, I know that you're Abraham's seed. And I know naturally descended. Yeah, Abraham's seed. Woo, heavy, isn't it? Real. Yeah, yeah, naturally speaking. Right? I know you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. He said, I know you're naturally a descendant of Abraham. But you're not the spiritual children of Abraham. You're not Abraham's children spiritually, just naturally. Because if you were Abraham's children, not just his seed, but if you were Abraham's children, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. A man who's told you the truth. but because you're trying to kill me. You're Abraham's seed, but you're not the children of Abraham because Abraham would never try to kill me. And you are. So let's, he's saying, your actions are showing who your spiritual daddy is. Your natural daddy is Abraham, but your actions prove who your spiritual daddy is, and that's the devil himself. Your actions always declare who your spiritual daddy is. Woo! Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. I love you too. I really do. I got to preach the word of God to you though. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. And the reason why my word hath no place in you is because you are the seed of the serpent. Because you, the reason why you won't hear me, the reason why you don't know who I am is because you are the seed of the serpent. You're the children spiritually of the devil. Although you are naturally connected to Abraham, you are the spiritual seed of the serpent. 
Your daddy is the devil spiritually. That's why you won't receive the word that he's preaching. That's why you won't walk in the truth. That's why they didn't know who Jesus was. Because their daddy spiritually was the devil himself. Your actions declare who your spiritual father is. He said, you want to kill me? He said, your actions are showing who your spiritual daddy is. You're not the children of Abraham. You're just the seed of Abraham. Big deal. So is Ishmael. Now watch, I'm going to show you. I'm preaching ahead. I'm not mad at you. I'm in the book right now. I'm in the spirit of this message right now. I know that you're Abraham's seed, verse 37, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. You won't make room for my word. I speak that which I have seen with my father. Relationship of the man, Christ Jesus, with the Spirit. And you do that which you have seen with your father. Jesus said, you can look at my actions and my actions declare who my spiritual father is. Who my father is. He said, I can look at your actions and your motives and you want to kill me. He said, I know who your spiritual father is. You claim it's Abraham. He said, I'll tell you who it is. I'll tell you who it is. I speak, verse 38, that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. He said, I know you're Abraham's descendants naturally, but you're not Abraham's children spiritually. Because if you were the children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. Woo! Your actions declare who your spiritual father is. You can claim your father is Abraham. You can claim your father is God. He said, my word doesn't have a place in you. He said, you're not the children of Abraham. You're the seed of Abraham. And you're doing what your father is showing you. But now you seek to kill me. A man that had told you the truth. Which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Abraham never wanted to kill a man who was bringing truth. Abraham never wanted to kill a man who was righteous, speaking truth. 
He met Melchizedek. Oh, and paid tithes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, a king priest, came to him. Oh, he saw Jesus typically when Melchizedek came. He didn't try to kill Melchizedek. Melchizedek had to finish work in his hand. Bread and wine. Hallelujah. Abraham didn't try to kill Melchizedek. Abraham did not try to kill a righteous man bringing the truth. And because they're trying to kill Jesus, who's just simply telling them the truth, they hate him with a passion. They despise him. And because of that, they're not the children of Abraham. Abraham would never do what they're doing. So their actions prove who their spiritual father is. It's not Abraham. Give the Lord praise in the house. You seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Who is their father? Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We're not like you. We be not born of fornication. We're not illegitimate sons. We're the children of Abraham. He said, No, you're not. You're just a seed of Abraham. Verdict after verdict after verdict. Judgment after judgment after judgment. Standing in the light of the world. The Bible says, watch this. Oh, glory. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. You do the deeds of your father, then said the enemy, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. God is our father. Jesus said unto him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. That's not telling you that there's a, an eternal generation of the Son. That's not telling you that the man pre-existed. It's not telling you the Son pre-existed and proceeded that way. The word proceed means he's on a mission from God. That's what that means. That's what that means. Proceeded from the Father in the sense that He was sent from by God on a mission from God. Y'all awake tonight? Jesus said, "I and them, if God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but He sent me." And the word there, sent is connected to deity coming in human form in the Greek. That's the way the word is used in the Greek. You have to go study it. I know you, you're going to go to sleep on that kind of information, but when you study the Greek, you'll find out that word. But it talks about He is there right then. He's right there with Him sent. It's the word in the Greek speaks of deity coming in flesh. Hallelujah to the Lamb. He's God coming in flesh. He's fulfilling the mission of God while He's on the earth. He's sin. He's proceeding that way. Give the Lord praise in the house. Now you, you hang with me just a little bit because I'm going to touch on this eternal generation of the Son in just a minute. Okay, It's a false doctrine. And many use this one verse right here where it says, I proceeded forth and came from God to teach that He was pre-existent as a man and pre-existent actually as the Son. Pre the pre-existent Son 
the preexistent man, that he was before, before he was born, he was the son, actually, with God. And one day the father looked at the son that was already with him incarnate and said, now go down and become incarnate again. Absolute false doctrine. That word proceed doesn't mean that the son was already with the father. You with me? Actually. It means he's on the mission from God. He's sent from God to fulfill the mission. And the one that is sent by God, the Spirit that's in him, to fulfill that mission is God right there with him. The one that's sent. Give the Lord praise in the house. The I am. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, neither came I myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You don't understand my speech because you can't hear my word. And the reason why you can't hear my word is because ye are of your father, the devil. He slammed the gavel down on the desk. Ye are of your father the devil. He said that's why you don't understand what I'm telling you. And that's why you don't hear what I'm saying. Because you are the seed of the serpent. You're not God's children. You're not Abraham's children. You're just Abraham's descendants. Your father is the devil. I mean, now watch this. Does that mean that the devil physically generated them? No. He's letting them know you are spiritually connected to the devil. Your spiritual relationship is with the devil. So therefore, your father is the devil. Hallelujah. Give God praise in heaven. Woo! <laughs> I'm having a great time tonight. I'm having a lot of fun tonight. Let me read it to you again, verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. I've already showed you because you want to kill me right now. You want to do away with me right now. I'm showing you that your daddy is the devil because the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Give God praise in the house. He's the one that tempted Adam and Eve in the garden to eat the fruit. He's the one that motivated Cain to kill Abel. He was behind Cain when Cain killed Abel. He was a murderer from the beginning. And so the fact that you want to kill Jesus, that they want to kill Jesus is proof there of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He said, I am truth and I'm speaking truth to you. But you don't understand my speech or hear my word. 
because you are spiritually connected to the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. Just like your murderer, if you want to kill the Christ of God. He abode not in the truth. Just like you. You want to know who my true disciple is? He that continues in my word. He that abides in my word. He that continues. He that sticks with my word. He's my disciple. Indeed. The devil abode not in the truth. So he's not only a murderer. He's the biggest backslider the world has ever seen. He's the biggest backslider the universe has ever seen. He abode not in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. Give God praise. There's no truth in the devil. When he speaketh, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh out of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You don't understand my speech, you because you can't hear my word. You can't hear the truth because you're daddy. You're the offspring, you're the seed of the serpent. He's a murderer, and he's a liar, just like you are. Spiritually, spiritually, just like you are. Praise the Lord. I didn't say you. I said, he's talking to me. They said, we be Abraham's children. God is our father. We be not... Children of fornication. We know who our daddy is. It's Abraham. We know who our father is. It's God. Jesus said he's your your descendant physically, but not spiritually. Of Abraham or God. You are the seed of the serpent. Can you imagine that right there? They thought all they had to do was be a descendant of Abraham physically, and they would go straight to heaven. That a, a, a descendant of Abraham could not die and go to hell. They thought Jesus was going to kill himself and he was going to go to hell and they were going to go to paradise. Ooh, it's getting hot. It's, it's heating up. This dialogue, name calling, the Christ of God telling you, you're of your father the And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Prove. Show me my sin. Show me. Which of you convinced me of sin? You're standing there. He's telling them, you stand there and with your eye 
says, you judge me as just a man. You judge me. Come on, somebody. You look at me as illegitimate. You look at me that way. You condemn me. She said, you condemn me. He said, no, I'm condemning you. You condemn me. I condemn you. He's letting them know the way they're condemned is because they're on the wrong side of Jesus. And they stand condemned because they're on the wrong side of Jesus. They're condemning Him. But He's condemning them. Give God praise in the house. He came, John said in that chapter, for the purpose to judge. It set men on either side of him. Say praise the Lord. Verse 47, he that is a God heareth God's words. If you're a God, you're going to hear God's words. The way you know if you're of God is you're going to hear God's words. If you refuse to hear God's word, you're not of God. Your actions show who your father is. You hear his words if you abide in his truth. You continue in his word. You stick to it. Is of God hears God's words. How many of y'all hear God's word today? You're hearing God's word today. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. He's killing them, man. He's grinding them down. With one verdict and one statement after another. They can't handle it. Every time they, are you hearing me? You're hearing me today. Let me tell you why some people have a problem with this church. Because every time they come in here, they don't hear the word of God. They don't want the word of God. They want will for ignorance. And every time they come in here, the word of God grinds them. And grinds them. And grinds them. And grinds them. They would of God, they would rejoice in the truth that's preached here. If they were really of God. They would hear His word if they were really of God. Because they're not really of God. They come in that word, just keeps grinding them in Jesus by His words, by His verdicts. He just kept grinding them and grinding them and grinding them. They got matter and matter and matter and matter. I'm doing my best tonight to make you mad. I want to see what you are. I want to find out what you're really about. Somebody say, yeah, yeah. Look at him. Look at him. This makes me want to say, go, Jesus, go. Go, Jesus, go. Go, Jesus, go. Let him have it, Jesus. Bunch of religious ignoramuses, a bunch of devils. Let him have it, Jesus. 
I don't know about you, but I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. Anybody stand up to Him like they did? All I say is, go Jesus, go. Ha, 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 Woo! How many of y'all say, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus. Do you walk in holiness? Your actions show who your Father is. Spiritually. Always has and always will. Determine who your spiritual father is. Notice what he said. Now watch, here we go. Boy, you talk about name calling now. Then after the Jews, this is the religious leaders, by the way. Remember, he's still in the temple. He's still in the temple. He's still in church. You know about having church. That's the way to have church. You're the, you're the father of the devil. You don't even know God. You knew God, you didn't know me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? You hear You know about having church, man. He had church. Praise the Lord God. I gotta forget. I gotta remember who I'm preaching to, though. But you're the saints. You're the saints. You're the saints. Praise the Lord Oh, hallelujah. You're the saints. I told you a long time ago. That they wanted Jesus as long as he was working miracles. As long as he had a bread program, he had multitudes. But there is no command of Jesus in the miracle. But when he started laying the truth on them, they got up and walked out. The house will be full of people looking for miracles and I want a bread program. But you start laying the demands and commands of Jesus Christ and they will walk out faster than they got in. I don't care. Goodbye, good riddance. I've had enough. Goodbye, good riddance. Now let me smile at you. You know I love you. Here we go. Then after the Jews, those are those religious leaders. Remember, those are the ones that, that claim to believe. In verse 30, they claim to believe. Then as the Jews said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan. You're a Samaritan. Oh, get in the name calling now, man. You really want to get to somebody, just walk up to them and say, You're a Samaritan. They won't even know what you're talking about. Say, Samaritan. You're a Samaritan. Oh, thank you. I know I look nice. Come on, man. You're a Samaritan. You know what they were saying to him? The Samaritans would be known and were known as magicians. And he's, they're saying to him, you are a Samaritan magician. And you're a deceiver of the people. Magic on them. And not only are you a Samaritan, but you've got a devil.
Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. Your devil possessed Jesus. You're, you're nothing but. Now I really want to be careful with this because this is not who he, not who he was. But in their mind, he was Paul. Jesus, a Samaritan dog, a magician, a wizard, a witch. You got a devil, they said. You're the Christ of God. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. You're bringing shame on me. Let me tell you something. You dishonor somebody, they'll go to war with, with you. You dishonor a man, you dishonor a man, he'll kill you. You shame a man. There have been wars fought over honor. There have been murders over honor. No respect. Shaming a man. People kill for that, that kind of thing. And they're shaming Jesus. They're dishonoring him. Telling him he's a Samaritan. Telling him he has a devil. See, he already said that they are their father of the devil. Now they're coming back. Yeah, no, you, you're possessed. Back and forth. Name calling. Jesus is right. They're wrong. Because he's coming from the Spirit. Isn't that sad, church? Verse 49, Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And I bring honor to Him in my life. But you dishonor me. So, so then... They're dishonoring the Father. They're dishonoring the Father and the Son. Because He is the Father in Sonship. He said, I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. He said, I come to promote myself. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. But they're so stupid. They're so stupid. They think he's talking about physical death. They're so stupid. Abraham died. And the prophets died. We know you got a devil now. You said he that believes in you will never die. Abraham died. And the prophets died. Are you greater than Abraham? Are you greater than the prophets? We know. They're judging outward appearance. Verse 32. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my sin, he shall never taste death. He was talking about spiritually. You believe? Come on, you can believe in him and still die physically, but he's talking about he'll never die spiritually. He will live from the ages to the ages. He will live throughout eternity. He will have eternal life from the ages to the ages. 
They're not talking about physical death. Abraham died physically, but Abraham was alive. Spiritually alive. Oh, glory to God. Can you imagine? Listen, church. Let me tell you something. There's something beyond this life. There's eternal life from the ages to the ages. That's what your goal is. That's what my goal is. To live through the ages of ages. Forever and ever and ever. And never die spiritually. Never be cast into the lowest part of damnation. That's what we're after. Jesus answered. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. Nothing. Look at that. Do you believe that? Nothing. You honor yourself nothing. You can go around you can brag about how great you are spiritually and how much you love God. And you can talk about all you know yourself, but your actions prove who you are, who your spiritual father is. Are you continuing in his word? Is there a place where it's truth in you? Do you understand what he's saying? Do you hear the truth that's coming out of his mouth? Are you continuing in his word? Not honoring yourself. Who cares? You talk about how great you are. But ultimately, what does God think? That's what's important, what God thinks. It's not who your natural daddy is. It's who your spiritual father is. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Natural generation. Way down here. Spiritual generation. Priority. Who's your father? Eh, you mentioned some natural man. Who cares? Who cares? God. Is God your father? What does God think about you? Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in the house. You can call Jesus' name. You can tell him he's a Samaritan. You can tell him he's got a devil. Hallelujah. You can insinuate that he's illegitimate. You can do all of that. But he is God come in the flesh. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your evaluation is. It doesn't matter what your carnal fleshly estimation is. He is who he is. And he proves it by his life and his actions. He honors the Father. He proves it by the word. It comes out of his mouth and a lie. And then look at them. They prove who their spiritual connection is with by their words and their actions. Yeah. Art thou greater than our father which is dead and the prophets are dead? Who, who makest thou thy? Who do you think you are? Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. You're still claiming he's God? Still God? Organized religion. People who are religious will keep saying God is their Father. And they're in disobedience to God, his word, their actions. 
They're not abiding. They're not continuing in the Word. They'll still, they'll still tell you, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. He belongs to God. Verse 55. Yet you have not known Him. You wouldn't know God if He walked up and looked you right in the face. Because He is. Jesus was standing right there looking him right in the face, brother. And they still didn't know who he was. There's people in organized religion all over this world today. If God were to walk up there and look at them right in the face, they would not know who he is. How about in here? If God walked up to you and looked you right in the face, eyeball to eyeball, would you even know that? Probably some of you will. They claim to know God. He's not real popular. The Jesus of this Bible is not real popular. The Jesus of this Bible is not the Jesus that's preached in most churches. I tell you right now, if, listen to me. If you were to preach this to most churches, a lot of churches, they wouldn't believe that that was even in the Bible because they don't even know a Jesus like that. They don't even know a Jesus exists like that. Yet you have not known him. Listen, what I'm telling you as I come to a close. If you ever get to a place where you talk like that, and I'm not saying that any of you will ever say that you're God or you're Jesus Christ. If you ever really start preaching the truth and you start declaring the word of God to people. I would just say to you, if you ever talk like that, not on the same level, you better get ready. Because they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. They're either going to want to, it starts intellectually, or let's have an intellectual conversation. Then it's red face, loud words, and then from there it's slander. They'll slander your character. And then from there, after slander, they're going to find a way to kill you physically. Hostility and hatred. Six to seven months from this time, they're going to nail him on a cross for what he's saying to him right there. It's going to grow and grow and grow. In fact, if they could right then, Brother Patrick, right then, they would have stoned him to death. They would have ripped him limb from limb if they could have. But the power of God kept them from doing it. Amen. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. <laughs> I'll be a liar like you. See, they looked at him as just a man and didn't see that he was God. Because he ate like a man, slept like a man, walked like a man. They said he has to be a man. They didn't say that he was God. They just thought he was a man. They ate like a man, slept like a man, walked like a man, but they were the devil. 
go that far. He said, I know really what's driving you. I could see you're a man on the outside if I were just to judge by appearance. But he said, I know the spirit behind you. You see me just as a man and don't see me as God. I see you as more than a man, the devil. Now, just because I looked at you, don't mean to cheat. I know I'm, I'm feeling pretty good now. I'm, I got the joy of the Lord back in me now. You know, you, you go through a transition of fire and flame and you start, start feeling good. The end. Because you know you've done what God wants you to do. Right? Amen. Feels good when you honor God. Okay, you with me? Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. That's the way you know. Look at my actions, how I keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad. Abraham, when did he see your day, Jesus? The day of redemption and the light of the world that would bring salvation to man. Who would reveal to man the revelation of God, the light, the revelation of God to man. The light of the world, revealing God to man and saving man, redeeming man and showing him the purpose of living. The reason to live. He's the light of life. When did Abraham rejoice? When? When did he rejoice to see my day and he saw it and was glad? When did he see my day. He saw me typically in Melchizedek. Abraham saw me typically on Mount Moriah. When he placed his son, his only son on the wood, he's about to lift the knife up, was about to plunge it into him, and God stopped him and said, Do the lad no harm. Look over here in the thicket, Abraham, and you'll see a ram caught in the thorns, a picture of the Messiah when he comes. You will see him caught in the thorns of the sins of the people when he's hanging on a cross, when God will provide himself a sacrifice, when God will come in human form and die on that cross and be caught up in the sins of the people. Abraham saw his day typically the son that would be offered by the father not spared not an animal for sacrifice but a man for a man but that man more than a man God come in human form caught in the thorns of the thicket the sins of the people dying for the world on the cross Abraham saw Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh. In this place, the Lord will see. That's the literal. You say the Lord will provide himself. But literally, in this place, the Lord will see. 
There will be another sacrifice that will come. And he will die on an old rugged cross. And Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw Melchizedek with the finished work of bread and wine in his hand. And Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it on Mount Moriah, the sacrifice in the thorns. He rejoiced to see his day. He saw the day when he walked in between the sacrifices. Hallelujah. Oh, and God made a covenant with Abraham as he went through the sacrifices. He cut covenant with Abraham. Abraham rejoice to see his day. He saw it and was glad. He saw typically the day of redemption and was glad. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? They're looking at him only as a man. He said, You're not, they said, You're not even fifty years old. How sayest thou? This is the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Yeah, because he's Abraham's God. He's the God of Abraham. When God would provide himself a sacrifice. You see, you're only 50 years old. See, they're still looking at the flesh. Just a man. That's all they see. Don't, they still don't get it. The divine has visited them. There's a divine visitation. God, not just divine deity. Jesus said, all right, you're just looking at me again on the outward of flesh. Jesus said to them, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. I am the door to sheepfold. Yahweh shepherd. Yahweh light. Yahweh door. Yahweh. Before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. He said before Abraham was, I am. I am. What he's telling them is right now I'm standing here in time and I'm looking at you. But as God, I'm back there with Abraham right now. I'm the same God right now with Abraham. But I'm standing right here in front of you. I am. 
Not limited to time. Not I was, but I am. Oh, Not limited to time. Standing right there, but still in eternity past. Standing right there, still in eternity future. At the same time, Brother Mark. When he was standing right there, he was at the great white throne judgment. When he was standing right there, he was back there with Abraham. I am. Only God can say that. Jesus, are you saying that you are the eternal son? No, I'm saying I am. Trinitarians would have you to believe that Jesus pre-existed as a man. He didn't pre-exist as a man. He pre-existed as God. It wasn't the son that pre-existed. It wasn't the man that pre-existed. It was the eternal spirit of God. Jesus as the eternal spirit of God. Jesus as God pre-existed. I am. Not a man pre-existing. Not a son pre-existing. But God pre-existing. Give the Lord worship in the house. That's nonsense to say that Jesus pre-existed as a man. You can't exist before you exist. You can't be incarnate and then become incarnate again. Then you would have two incarnations of the Son. He, Jesus, pre-existed as God, not as a man, not as a son. He as God pre-existed, the eternal spirit. Give the Lord praise. Woo, glory to God. So I got that out of the way. How many in this church today think that Jesus pre-existed as a man before he became a man? How many of y'all believe that Jesus pre-existed as a son before he became a son? How many of y'all believe that he pre-existed as God before he became a son? He pre-existed as the I am before he became a man. So he pre-existed as God, not as a son or as a man. His sonship had a beginning. The sonship was begotten. When was the son begotten? When the spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary. And the conception took place there in the womb of Mary. That's when the Son had the beginning or that's when the Son was begotten at that point in time. God in incarnation. Not that the Son pre-existed with the Father before time. Do you understand that? Oh yeah, that's uh, you act like that's no big deal. You know how much I got. That all just came to me, just sitting around. You act like that's no big deal. It took me hours. 
You can't have an eternal begotten son. You can't. It's impossible. How can you have an eternal begotten son? Begotten speaks of a beginning. And when was he begotten? When did he begin? As a man. Son. When God overshadowed the womb of the Virgin Mary and entered into that baby. Come on, give God praise. So some teach that Jesus existed as the Son with the Father. Actually, I will tell you, He pre-existed as the Father. He pre-existed as God. And not actually as a man or actually as a Son. But He did pre-exist as the Son in this way. In the mind of God. And in the creative Word of God. And when God speaks a creative Word, it is as the event itself. So in Isaiah chapter 53, when the prophets talked about him dying on the cross, they wrote it 700 years before it happened, but they wrote it in the past tense. Which means when they wrote it, they wrote it as if it had already happened, even though it did not happen in time until 700 years later. Because God, when God speaks his creative word or his prophetic word, it, it is as good as the event itself. But that doesn't mean the Son actually existed. He existed in the mind of God. He existed in the prophetic word of God. He existed in the creative word of God, which is as the event itself. That's the only way He preexisted as the Son. But not as a man. As God. Woo! And in the mind of God, the plan of God, the Word of God, which became flesh, and that Word was God. So when God speaks, it's as if it's already, in eternity it's already done. Okay? Okay, so you got that much, right? So the, when it speaks of the Father, it speaks of relationship with the man Christ Jesus. When it speaks of the Holy Ghost, it speaks of the Spirit of the Father in action. When it speaks of the Son, it's talking about God incarnated in flesh or His humanity dying. His sonship began actually at His conception and not before. But in the mind, the plan, the thought, the creative word, the prophetic word of God, it was as if it had already taken place. So he preexisted that way as a son. Okay. So anyway, as I come to a close here tonight, I will tell you that there are some who will say, when he said, I am, before Abraham was, I am, they will say, okay, he's speaking there as the son, not as God. And they will say that Jesus was the eternal son the eternal generated Son. That means brought into being. Generated means to be brought into being. And that at some point the Father in eternity brought the Son into being in eternity. The eternal begotten Son teaches that He was born in eternity before He was born in time. The Athanasian Creed teaches there are two begottens, two begettens of Jesus. One in eternity and one in time. That is complete false doctrine. It's error. 
It's the roots of the doctrine of the Trinity, three separate persons. The affirmation of truth. The eternal generation of the Son, that He was generated or begotten before. He came in the world as a man in eternity. He was with God that way. That's what they teach. That's false. I will tell you the Logos, the Word, is not the same as the Son. It's not equivalent to the Son. The Logos is the Word, the expression of God that became flesh. Now, eternal generation teaches that the Son Praise the Lord. No, I'm ready to go. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I will say this to you, <laughs> that people who believe in the doctrine of the Trinity and believe in the eternal genera generated Son or the eternally begotten Son, that He existed before be He became a Son. <laughs> as a Son. No, he, the only way he pre-existed pre was as God, not as the actual Son. Does that make sense to you? And and, and they come up with things, that the, the, these Trinitarian teachers come up with things they can't even define for themselves. They they can't even explain. I'm sitting there, I'm going, well, I need to find out what eternal, the eternal generation of the Son means. I need to find out what it means to be eternally begotten, Right? So I go over there and I try, I study, I've got a lot of theology in my computer and I went and studied to try to find out what is their definition of an eternal generated son? Or the son, the man, that he existed as a man before, in eternity, before he became a man on the earth. Eternal generation of the son from the father. So I'm saying, okay, I'd like to know what that means. Right, so oh, praise the Lord. I got a little study in theology as I come to a close. Now, by the way, I got to finish preaching everything. I got to finish preaching this thing. I'm closing my Bible for. Praise the Lord, my mic's going off. Yeah, okay, let me get back to the word in just a minute. Listen, y'all ready? Ready for this? I know you love this kind of stuff. You really do. You know, he said, like, "I don't care, Pastor." Is it? Oh, you like it? Okay, I'll read it for you. Okay, you ready? The generation of the Son and the procession of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to get into the generation of the Son here. This is coming out of Botner's studies in theology. Now, listen carefully. The kindred doctrine of the eternal generation of the Son and of the eternal procession of the Holy Spirit are admittedly doctrines which are but very obscurely understood by the best of theologians. <laughs> Certainly. The present writer, with his limited study and experience, is not under the delusion that he shall be able to give a fully satisfactory explanation of them. He proposes only to define the doctrines and to offer a few brief comments. He said there's only a few theologians that... that obscurely understand it. Well, I wonder why. It's not truth. I just sat down here. Okay. Okay, let me read that again. The kindred docs of the eternal generation of the Son and of the eternal possession of the Holy Spirit are admittedly doctrines which are but 
very obscurely understood by the best of theologians. Certainly the present writer with his limited study and experience is not under the delusion that he shall be able to give a fully satisfactory explanation of them. He proposes only to define the doctrines and to offer a few brief comments. The eternal generation of the Son, as stated by a representative theologian, is defined as an eternal personal act of the Father, wherein by necessity of nature, not by choice of will, He generates the person, not the essence of the Son, by communicating to Him the whole indivisible substance of the Godhead, without division, alienation, or change, so that the Son is the express image of His Father's person and eternally continues, not from the Father, but in the Father, and the Father in the Son. What? That's coming from Dr. A. 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 Hodge, Outlines of Theology. Mm -hmm. Okay, the following scripture verses are commonly given as the principal support of this doctrine. For as the Father hath life in himself, even so gave he the Son also to have life in himself. John 5, 26. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. John 14, 11. Even as thou, Father are in me and I in thee, John 17, 21, that ye may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father, John 10, 38. Christ is declared to be the effulgence of his glory and the very image of his substance, Hebrews 1, 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life, John three sixteen. Now listen to what this theologian says. I've got an honest theologian here for you, okay? He quotes another theologian who tries to define the generation of the Son, eternal generation of the Son, okay? And here's what th this theologian says. His name is um, uh, Botner. Okay, he studies in theology. The present writer feels constrained to say, however, that in his opinion, the verses quoted do not teach the doctrine in question. Does not teach the eternal generation of the Son. That's what this theologian says in his opinion. He feels that the primary purpose of these and similar verses is to teach that Christ is intimately associated with the Father and that He is equal with the Father in power and glory. That He is, in fact, full deity rather than to teach that His person is generated by or originates in an eternal, eternal process which is going on within the Godhead. Even though the attempt is made to safeguard the essential quality of the Son by saying that the process by which the Son is generated is eternal and necessary, he does not feel that the attempt is successful. If, as even Augustine, for instance, asserts the Father is the, the fountain or source of the Trinity from whom both the Son and the Spirit are derived, it seems that in spite of all else we may say we have made the Son and the Spirit dependent upon another as their principal cause and have destroyed the true and essential quality between the persons of the Trinity. He, this guy's Trinitarian, but he doesn't even believe in the eternal generation of the Son. As we have stated before, when the Scriptures tell us that one person within the Trinity is known as the Father and another the Son, they intend to teach not that the Son originated by the Father, nor that the Father existed prior to the Son, but they are the same in nature. This apparently was also the position held by Calvin. For at the conclusion of his chapter on the Trinity, he says, by studying the edification of the church, I have thought it better not to touch upon many things which would be unnecessarily burdensome to the reader without yielding him any profit. 
For to what purpose is it to dispute whether the Father is always begetting? For it is foolish to imagine a continual act of generation since it is evident that three persons have subsided in God from all eternity. That is a bunch of foolishness. The Son had a beginning and it, He began when the Spirit of God overshadowed the Virgin Mary and entered into that humanity of Jesus Christ, that's when the Son was begotten, not in eternally. He was not eternally generated or eternally begotten. He was begotten, come on somebody, in Bethlehem, in the Virgin Mary, as the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. The Spirit of God entered into that flesh and He preexisted as God and not as the Son actually but as the eternal Spirit of God come in human form. And that humanity had a beginning, but was prophesied in the creative Word of God as if He always existed. Understand? Did that help you? Good. You want to be a Trinitarian? Come get it. I stick with the Bible. Praise the Lord. Before Abraham was, I am. Not as the Son, but as God, I am. I am is the Spirit of the Lord. I am is the Spirit of God. I am is the Spirit of the Father. One Spirit, not two spirits. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God in action. The Father is His relationship with the man Christ Jesus. And the Son had a beginning. Sonship is always connected to God in incarnation. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give God praise. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. I told you to get physical. I better get my theology. I told you they get physical. They went from an intellectual discussion to emotion. It got louder and it got louder and they started calling each other names. And Jesus was right and they were wrong. And it went from there to slander and it went from slander to physical outrage. They wanted to kill him. Because Leviticus 24. Listen, watch. I want you to catch this. This is one of the most important things I'll say. Why are they going to try to stone him, Brother Patrick? Because in their mind, he's not claiming to be the eternal son. Hear me. When he said, I, before Abraham was, I am. They knew he was claiming to be Yahweh. So that's why they're going to try to stone him to death because they say he's blasphemed. He's making himself equal with God. You see what I'm saying to you? You see what I'm saying to you? Okay. Go to Leviticus 24 and I come to a close. Thank you for staying till 10. Hallelujah. Leviticus 24. Mm -hmm. 
was it worth your time? Okay, verse 16. 24, 16. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. He that blasphemes the name of the Lord, all capitalizes Yahweh, I am. He that blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation surely stone him, as well the stranger as he that is born in the land. When he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall he be put to death. You with me? Okay, go back over to John 8. Verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Why did they want to kill him? Because to them he was blaspheming the name of the Lord. He was claiming to be the I Am. He was claiming to be the Lord. Blaspheming. Claiming to be the Lord. They weren't going to stone him because he claimed to be the eternal Son. They were going to stone him because he's claiming to be I Am. Yahweh God. The Jews knew what he was claiming, friend. They didn't have these crazy Trinitarian glasses on. They didn't think he was claiming to be the eternal son. They knew he was claiming to be I am the eternal God. That's why they want to kill him. That's why they want to stone him. Come on, get a, get a, get a something. Get a revelation. And he just walked from the temple. He left church that day, had a nice service. <laughs> Got in his car and drove off. He went right through the midst of them. And they wanted to stone him with stones. And nobody could touch him. Nobody could kill him. Because it wasn't his time. He was on God's time clock. Everything he did was according to God's time clock. Because he's God come in the flesh. And they refused to, res they refused to see the visitation of deity among them. Isn't that sad? They should have been the ones... When he came, that accepted him and preached him. They should have been the ones who were the first ones to sing of his glory. They should have been the ones to declare, the leaders should have been telling the people, he's the ones the prophets preached about. He's the one that Abraham saw and rejoiced in his day. He is, I am. He is the Lord. Isaiah 43, um, 43. Look at this. Look at this. Isaiah. Let me get the verse. Somebody say, praise the Lord. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know that in Exodus chapter 3, I am passage, don't you? In the burning bush. Okay. Sorry. Keep you so long. 
43, 11. I'll start at verse 10. You are my witness, saith the Lord. All capitalizes, I am. Yohevavhe. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I, He, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, I, the Lord, and beside me there is no God. Or I, even I am the Lord. He said, there's only one God and there's only one Lord. And when Jesus claimed, I, I am the Lord. I am the light of the world. They knew he was claiming to be the only God. That there would be no other God formed. He's the only God. That's why they wanted to kill him. They knew. He was claiming to be Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? When he said, I am. They knew what he meant. Do you know what he meant? I thank God that I know who he is. Because without the revelation that Jesus is the I am, I would die in my sins and perish forever. There was no doubt in their mind as to what he was saying. They just refused to believe it. And they continued in their willful ignorance. Father, in your name right now. Oh, Jesus, I have sought today to give you glory.